Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. It's Kirsty and Isaac here. And in today's episode, we're going to be breaking out our crystal balls and talk about the future of Amazon selling. And you might ask yourself, well, why are we doing that? Well, it's quarter four right now of 2021. And if you aren't thinking about your plan for 2022 already, well, you're probably in trouble for the next year. So we actually want to be talking about your 2022 plan in an upcoming episode. But before we even talk about the plan for next year, we want you to understand that there are some massive mistakes that you need to avoid right now in order to even get in the right mind frame or frame of mind to help yourself move forward with a good plan for 2022. Yeah, so there are a lot of mistakes that sellers make, um, and sometimes they don't even realize that they are mistakes until it's too late. So what we want to do is cover off a few of these topics today so that you can get the scoop on what not to do in the Amazon business so you can avoid killing your business before you even start. Now, we we see these time and time and time again. I think we've even got a series on on like the top mistakes that, that people make, right? Yeah. And this, this is not even, this is not to kind of depress you. This is not to, you know, kind of go go down that rabbit hole of, oh my God, oh my God, you know, what are all the mistakes that I can make? Because some people can get analysis paralysis with that. But basically what we want to do is highlight them because the thing is, if you haven't had experience of something, you don't know what you don't know. I remember someone telling me that once and I'm like, whatever, especially if I was younger and they're a bit older than me, right? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know, but it's true. I went with a guy that I used to work with. He'd go, he was from New York. So I'll try and do my best New York accent. He was, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know you don't know it. And we always used to take the mickey out of him. But I'm like, actually, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also like when they say like, oh, yeah, if I knew what I knew now when I had your age or something like that. It's like, yeah, yeah but you don't. <laughs> I, can, I can hear myself when I'm talking to the kids. I'm like, you know what? Back in my day, you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> I love my grandma, but you know, it's, it's unfortunately it is actually true. So funnily enough, we've actually had some new clients that have come to us recently and they're actually, you know, I would say pretty young because I'm getting a bit old now. Right. But they're in their early twenties and they're awesome because they're like, you know, I want to learn. I want to learn from people that have had the experience. So I think that's a great attitude to have. So this is what we're going to talk talking about today. So if you don't take anything away apart from the, what the mistakes are, then that's, totally fine as well, right? Because at least you know what you're going to be coming up against. So the core things that we're going to be talking about is number one, don't pick products based on what your gut is telling you, right? Now, it doesn't mean to say that your gut feeling might come in at some point, but not at the point when you don't have any information to go off of, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes you might have to rely on that gut once you've got pretty much 70% of the information there is to just pull the trigger and go for it. But if you're just thinking and sat there going, I really want to sell Scandinavian furniture, right? Well, that's cool, but are the numbers going to work? I mean, Scandinavian furniture, Ikea kind of springs to mind, right? So, you know. (laughs) It's kind of got a corner on that market. You might have a corner on the market, but also it's big stuff, isn't it? It's not just like, you know, something to cut your teeth on, literally, especially when you're starting out in the business. So, you might want to build up to that over time when you've got cash flow coming through the business. But just because you want to sell something doesn't mean to say it's a good idea. The next thing would be don't launch a bunch of products at the start or within a short time period. Now, I had someone, someone that's just actually started to work with us and they're awesome. You know, young couple, you know, they really want to make this thing work. They've done a few courses, you know, expensive courses and nothing wrong with those courses. But they got overexcited and they've launched like nine products in the space of six months and in three marketplaces. Right. So with no prior experience, with no even success, if you like, for want of a better term, in terms of, you know, understanding the process. So, you know what? It's not a good idea. So if anybody sat here going, well, I've just launched 10 products all at once. And because you're so excited about getting this business going or you've got maybe 50, 60, 100 products, even more than 20 products, and you're not making any income yet, or you're not making the income that you want, the chances are that you, you've overcomplicated the business, right? And again, within a short time period, we, I would say within 
six months of each other, you know, especially when you're just trying to figure out what this process is, what the process is. The second one is going to be don't use variations to grow your brand. And we'll go into a bit more depth. I think we've even got like a, an episode on this, um, but it's yeah. a favorite of ours. And it's, it's a thing that people miss quite a lot. So the next one would be don't stop your PPC or your advertising thinking that it's going to help you save money, right? That's literally just kind of shutting everything off. Now, if you're bleeding money out and you don't know why, maybe, but really just, you know, we'll come into how, what, how to think about that. But the idea is it's not the fact that it doesn't work. It's not working for you right now. So we just kind of have to figure that out. Yeah. And then also don't try to fix your listings unless you know what to fix. This is a big one actually where people go in rabbit holes, right? And so again, there is a way to fix them. It's not saying don't think about it at all, but there is a way to do it and understand what you're actually fixing and how to actually measure it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and these are like five of my favorite mistakes because they're, they're tactical mistakes that people just make because they don't understand data. That's like most of what these come down to, right? Or they don't understand what's happening in their business. They don't treat it as a business. They treat it as like, you know, an experiment or something where they can just do things willy nilly. And it's like, no, it's not, it's not really like that. You need, to, even in experiments, you need to track what you're doing, what you're putting into things and what you're taking out and what the results are. So, you know, when we talk about the first concept, you know, don't pick products with your gut feeling, uh, you know, as Kirsty said, it, it, maybe you'll use a little bit of gut feeling once you have some data, but if you're just thinking like, Hey, I want to sell this thing. You're not that good. You're not going to find products that you're just going to be good products just by guessing at it. Right. I don't know of anybody who's ever done that on Amazon, at least definitely not in the last five years that's made any money. Or if they have, they probably burned through a lot of cash to figure out how to make it work based on that process, right? The idea here is that what you want to do is you want to eliminate spending wasted money. And that's what we want you to understand is you can probably sell anything on Amazon if you really, really have deep enough pockets, but most people don't have deep enough pockets to make them work. So, you know... I know a lot of people want to think like there's some like super cool entrepreneur like Elon Musk or something. And just like, I've got this vision. I know what to sell on Amazon. Well, you probably don't because you don't understand the platform yet, right? You don't understand what people are shopping for. You might think in your head, oh, I've got an invention. I'll sell it on Amazon. Inventions don't really work that well on Amazon because nobody knows what to type in the search bar. They're not looking up inventions on Amazon and then having a, a list of items come up that you then could appear on. That's really not how Amazon works. So you have to sell existing items that people buy on Amazon. So once you kind of get the idea that there is a searchability factor for every product and, and how these things work, you eliminate a lot of potential product ideas that you may have you know, thought, hey, I'm going to create something new and do something different. If it's existing, if it's an existing product that you're doing an improvement on, that could very well work. Um, we've talked about that before, but just think about this. Like if you don't have data, on what your products or what products can kind of fit your budgets. And you think that, you know, you're just going to wing it. You are preparing to fail in my opinion. And we've seen this happen time and time again. Uh, people who have data still don't make it work every time, but it lowers the risk factor. And so if you're using data to help you control, you know, what the costs are, um, what your, how much you're budgeting, what your competition level is and all this other stuff. And actually using that to, you know, plot out profit, profit margins and ROIs and cash flow and all this other stuff. And then thinking about how much the marketing is going to be, you're, you're definitely going to understand whether or not your likelihood to be able to succeed with that product, either good, bad, or, you know, just not at all. There's no chance. Right. Um, so we, we've seen products, we have a, a, a an actual spreadsheet, a, a tool that helps our members. We call the product analyzer Bible. I, uh, Went through uh, an example with one of our members. He wanted to sell, I think it was, was it a smart wallet is kind of what the term was. It's like one of them wallets that has, it's like thin, it's like a man, a man's like gift. A lot of people use as a, like a Father's Day gift or something, but it's like, it just fits your credit cards in there. It doesn't really fit much. It's like a little thin thing with like RFID chip blocking technology and all that stuff, right? So he's like, I want to sell that product. And I said, okay, well, let's put it through the Analyzer Bible. What's your budget again? He's like, $6,000. I said, okay, let's look to see how much this costs. Put all the uh, information in there. And then basically, because it's a very competitive product, he actually ended up needing to have about $100,000 to sell that product. And I said, do you still want to sell this product? And he said, no, I don't. I said, that's a good way to think about it. Because if you don't have that data and you're just guessing, you're going to launch that product. 
And then guess what? You're never going to get to the position where you're going to be successful. You're going to spend more money trying to figure out why you're not successful. You're going to buy more courses. You're going to spend outside traffic on, you know, Google ads or Facebook ads. You're going to do all this other stuff. You're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars and it's not even on Amazon usually, and you're still not going to be successful. So you can, you can try doing that, or you can just learn from people who know what they're doing and tell you like, Hey, there is a lot of data you can find up front and to have those tools and spreadsheets, you know, to help you plan drastically increase your success rate. So we definitely don't want you going out there and not planning. And as Benjamin Franklin once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So don't prepare to fail. Make sure you prepare and plan and, and then that will help you succeed. So those are kind of main concepts there of like, just don't trust your gut right away. If you get to the point, like Kirsty said, where you have the data and you're just kind of sitting there like thinking, oh man, this looks really good according to the data, but I don't know, should I do it? Well, then in that sense, when, when you're using your logic and the, and the gut, that's a good combination. Use, use 70% logic, 30% gut, not 100% gut, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, this kind of rolls nicely into the next concept. But, you know, you were talking there about having the, you know, the right data to be able to make right decisions with. And I'm still getting a lot of people, you know, when they come and talk to us, they, they're talking about, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was I was doing a course and they said to just get 100 units from Alibaba and whack it on Amazon and see what yeah. sticks. Now, we used to say that's there's nothing wrong with that. But nowadays, I would say you might as well just set fire to how much it ever cost you for those 100 units, right? Yeah. Because... <laughs> You know, it doesn't work that way anymore. Yes, the platform has got majorly competitive. Yes, there are more, you know, sellers out there that are cutting out the middle person like you and I who want to build a business on Amazon. All these things add up to the part, the point of really, Amazon is wanting, for you to be successful on Amazon, they're really wanting you to be a successful business person. Yeah. That is the way that you're going to be able to thrive. So when people come to us and say, is it too competitive? Is it this, that, and the other? Yeah, it's not too competitive, but it is more competitive. So tactics like sticking a few hundred um, units up there of maybe 10 different types of products is just not going to cut it anymore, right? Yeah. And so that's why that data is very, very important. So then that rolls into, you know, don't just launch a bunch of products at the start or within a short time period. That strategy of getting a few hundred units of like, say, 10 different products is the equivalent of launching a bunch of products because to be able to get ranked on Amazon, to be able to get eyeballs on it, to get reviews, all those kind of key success factors that we know are going to make us successful. If you're going to do that with 10 different products with 100 units, how on earth are you going to ever be able to do that with the budget that you that you have? Yeah. You know, so it's you're kind of it feels less risky because you feel like you're, you're putting what they say, you're not putting too many eggs in one basket. But all you're doing is just spreading out the small budget that you may have into hoping that something's going to work, right? Yeah. And so it's, I would definitely recommend do not do that. Yeah, right? I would say that instead of taking the big success chance that you have at one product, you've now just completely diminished it by slicing it into 10 different pies or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I remember, um, Funnily enough, you know, in business, but on a different type. So say our coaching business, I remember working with a coach for our business and, you know, we got one funnel working, it was doing all right. And so, you know, I wanted to then say, okay, well, let's do this now. Let's do this now. And the coach at the time was like, well, put it this way. You've got one vending machine, right? Say you've got one vending machine and you've got maybe like one channel working so far in that vending machine, but now you've got them to buy the crisps, but you want them to buy the Coke out of that vending machine, right? So focus on that one vending machine to figure out how to do those things first before you then proliferate and get 25 vending machines and put them in different cities and different yeah. stores and all this stuff. Got to figure out where the location's got to be and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with products, right? It's exactly the same. It's the same with marketplaces. It's like if you haven't yet figured out a you know, a process that you know will make you money with just one product or two products, it doesn't really make sense to then say, I'm going to launch 10 and, and stick them in all these different marketplaces because that's what is helping me going to grow the business. Yes, it will. It will. They are not bad strategies. But when you put them all together and try and do, all, do them all at once without experience, that is when it becomes a colossal fail, unfortunately. Yeah. So 
that's kind of like the the kind of top level view if you like if you if you really think of it that way and you go yeah this is not a race at the end of the day just because you see awesome people out there doing awesome things they started where we all started one day right like we did you know we had to start somewhere and then build up from there and so you don't have to race forward it's really all about your journey so really think of that and nail something it's like putting fuel into into a car that you you don't know how it works yet there's no engine in it so you have to really think about it so the fuel for your business is cash flow right that really is the key component to long-term success and cash flow doesn't mean just getting a bunch of money from other people to stick in your business. That doesn't work either, right? That's like going out to your mates and saying, I've got this car with no engine, uh, but can you give me some more petrol? Because I've run out of money, right? It's kind of like, no, you need to prove it works first to get more cash. So I work with a, a coach, he's a billionaire and his business is bootstrap billionaires, right? That's what he wants to do. And he, he's, he's, he drums it into people to say, just because you can get cash doesn't mean to say that you should put it in the business. You need to figure out the processes first, get cash flow from that, and then reinvest it back into the business. Because if you don't know how it's working, it's very difficult to then pay the bank back, pay your mom and dad back, pay yeah. your brother and sister back, right? So you cash flow- them back, they're not going to lend you anymore, that's for sure. Exactly. Then you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel, you know, so it, again, it's not a race. You want to build your business for cash flow from the start. And what that means is, is that you have to have high return on investment on your products. You also have to have great profitability coming back from your products. And you have to be able to pay yourself because at the end of the day, you you need to be able to enjoy the fact that you're actually getting something back from this business as well, right? So profit margins are great. And that's definitely one metric that you need, but it doesn't tell you how much income is going to come back to you every month because you could get profit back from the business, but then you've got more orders coming in as you're launching more products, especially if you're, you know, trying to keep 10, 15 products going. That bill can become very, very big over time, right? And so to the point where we call it working capital. So basically you have capital. It is working in the business because it's it's in the business, but it's just tied up in, in product that you might not even know how to sell through. So that's why it's really important to have products that return money quickly so that you can get that cash back, you can then pay yourself and then you can put it back into the business. So profit margin is not the be all and end all. So for instance, another key thing that a lot of people tend to do, they'll price their products for profit. So if you've ever done that, you've found a product, you're like, this product's awesome. So maybe there's a bit of gut feeling in there. You really wanna sell this product. And uh, you you buy a bunch of um, inventory, you send it to Amazon and you go, yeah, I've got great profit on my product. Oh, yeah. What's your profit? Oh, yeah. I get 50 percent margins on this product. Awesome. And then when we actually look at how it looks in the marketplace and how it's priced against competition, it's usually at least 50 percent to 100 percent more expensive than the major products that are already being sold on Amazon. So basically what that means is, is that you've priced it for profitability, but you haven't priced it for the customer. So guess what? It ain't, you're not going to get any you know, cash flow coming back because no one's going to buy it because it's too expensive. So yeah. just looking at those things in isolation, it, unless again, experience tells you this, right? If you've never even been in a business before, you've never run a business, you haven't worked with, even if you've worked in a business, but you haven't worked with the numbers in the business, this is going to trip a lot of people up and it's not to say that you're bad at this stuff it's just that you just haven't had the experience to understand it the next thing is really about knowing your budget and sticking to it so again we would suggest you need i reckon now what between seven to ten thousand dollars to start your business on amazon in terms of being having enough for your first product getting your logo done getting maybe a sourcing agent i mean that you know, it's not that expensive um, because it's going to save you a lot of time and yep. effort. Other costs like just getting, you know, subscription to things to help you plan better. Um, your first order and you want enough for your second order. So once all that's said and done and looking at all the, you know, the major opportunities that are on Amazon right now, you probably that's what you're going to need, right? If you've got more than that, then that's cool. But any less than that, you're probably not going to, you can, well, you're going to have to spend a lot of time trying to find a product that fits the criteria. Yeah. Now, if you've got 
if you if all of those things in terms of like your advertising costs, your you know your shipping costs and all that other stuff does not fit in your budget, you can't launch the product. That's just, it's just as simple as that. You might want to launch it. You might be like, I really want to launch this thing. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is how much profit and income you're going to make from that product. So just pop it in your back pocket for when you do have enough cash flow coming into the business and then launch it. But again, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, around spreadsheets, um, numbers, understanding yeah. all those core costs. Because if you don't have enough budget, there's what's the point, right? You might feel better. You might get that dopamine hit thinking that you're going to, you know, uh, launch this awesome product. But if you can't actually afford to launch it, there's no point doing it. Yeah. And then also know your time and your effort limitations. So we would say you really only need, but you need to be focused, right? So you only need about two, we say two hours a day or 10 hours a week. So some people might not have the energy or the focus when they come home from a hard day's work. So try and carve out some time at the weekend, but at least have some focused time. If you're trying to grab 10 minutes here, half an hour here, that's good for kind of quickly doing a price change or something like that. But it's not good enough to, you know, do your product research. It's not good enough to do your listing optimizations and all this other stuff. So yeah. you do need some focused time. Yeah, that's another thing with the budget, right? So like if they have a limited budget and then they have to then spend 40 hours in a month to try to find a, a product that fits that budget, then they're going to feel pretty dejected at that point. Yeah, exactly. Because you just feel like you're spinning your wheels the whole time, right? You could spend, that's why people spend a year trying to figure out which product to, you know, to sell. So just be kind to yourself. You know, that's the other thing, you know, don't go too overboard so that, that that's all that you're doing. But once you kind of get into this process, and that's why we really talk about focusing on your why as the core driver, because that is the thing that's going to make sure that you actually focus your time and your effort as well. If you feel like, you know what, I've just got too much going on in my life right now, then chances are the pro this is not the right business for you right mm -hmm. now. But you, one thing we do say, and it sounds a bit trite, but at the end of the day, how many people, I do it myself, right? How many people are sat there, you know, watching the extra episode of Squid Game or whatever thing is like the new Netflix thing, right? When you could actually spend maybe two, two of those hours actually growing your future and your business. Yeah. So just think about the stuff that you feel like you're wasting time on right now and you could do without. That's not to say that you took out all the cool things and the fun things in your life. But instead of binge watching something, maybe just watch one episode and kind of save it up and spend a bit more time just focused on the business. Yeah. Yeah. And you still need time to relax, but there's time to relax. And then there's, if you want to grow for a future endeavor, time to grow as well. So yeah, I think yeah. that, you know, that's, that's all great points because it's, it's not just always about money and, and, and the more you burn of it, just like time and effort, the more you burn of it, the less likely you want to keep putting more into it. Right. So yeah. if you're not finding things by, by not doing it properly, then you won't want to keep doing more of it. So just keep that in mind because, you know, everything has its limitations and your, your passion and your desire, no matter how strong it seems at the start, it does have limitations. And if you don't do things properly, you will, you'll waste that, um, you know, that really strong urge to actually grow this business. Yeah. Next couple of things I want to talk about are two ideas that, that kind of seem a little less obvious to people. I think those first ones, they should seem obvious, but these ones are maybe a little bit un less, un less clear because people actually say that you should do these things sometimes and we don't understand why. Well, I know, I know what some people do it in certain situations, but let's talk about this. So first you don't want to use variations to grow your brand. Now there's a lot of experts out there that'll say we have our whole entire training based on just creating bundles and variations. And in reality, that's not a strategy because it's not growing the business. It's, 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 well, let's put it this way. It's not impactfully growing the business because you usually don't even have a reason for a variation. A color, a different color for a product is not usually a reason to sell it. In reality, if you, especially if you believe this in the Tim Ferriss philosophy um, from Four Hour Work Week, the more choices you give somebody, the less likely they are to make a decision. It's it's human psychology. The more choices you give somebody, the less likely they're to make any decision. So if you give them more variations, what are they going to do? They're not going to buy because they haven't made a decision which one they like. So the less decision you give them, the only thing they have to decide is, do they like that one or, or, or just not at all, right? So if you just give them one option, then, or a few options, and if, there's, if there really is a reason, like if you're selling something that has sizing, if there really is a reason for that variation, then yes, there needs to be a variation. You are, aren't likely gonna be able to create 
um, you know, socks that fit everybody's foot or gloves that fit everybody's hands or a hat that fits everybody's head. But maybe you also don't want to sell products that have sizing variations at the start because it is more complex. So just think about that before you do it, because if, if you really go after variations and say, oh, I'm going to sell another color, it doesn't in increase your sellability by much, if, if at all, because what it usually does is it splits the normal sales that that one would get into two, and then it makes the one less effective. And now it's like, this one's getting 80% instead of 100% of the exact same pie. So say you get 20 sales a day. Now you launched an orange variation and you have a black one that's already doing the 20, 20 per day. Now that the, the orange one's getting five sales a day or four sales a day, and the, the black one's getting 15 or 16 sales a day. So you didn't get more sales. You just cut what the other one was doing and split it in, into two pieces. Now that, that main one is actually less effective against the competition because the sessions that are coming to it aren't converting as well because now they're going to some of the other ones on that listing as well. And you're getting less sales for that ASIN. So that ASIN now struggles to stay ranked and has all these other knock-on effects, especially with PPC. Which one do I actually advertise? Is it the orange one or black one? Or should I do both? Or, you know, if I do both, do I go for the same keywords? Probably not because then you're competing against yourself with PPC. So there's a lot of other, you know, knock-on effects of this. And people think if I just have one product that's working well, I should be able to sell a very similar product and get similar sales. It is not even close to that. You will get a fraction of the sales and it generates maybe a slight increase, if anything. So there, there's really no extra sales there because there's a lack of a reason for it to exist. Now, if you have a men's version and a female version for a real clear reason, like, Hey, I don't know. I can't really think of any actual product that needs a men's and women's version. There's always just marketers that say there's a men and, and women version, even though it's almost identical, the same product, they just put it in different packaging. Right. Um, but if say there was a men's and women's version, maybe, I don't know, shaving razor, let's just say, okay. So women it's might need a different type. What's that? Yeah, supplements. I mean, it would be exactly supplements, the same Sure, thing. like a, a multivitamin for women, multivitamin for yeah. men. That's a good one. Because yeah. they have different, you know, uh, whatever supplement needs, vitamin needs. So men and women, multi -supp multivitamin supplement. Okay, so that is a, a legitimate concern that they have different minerals and vitamins. So that way a man could have some for their specific chemical composition and a woman can as well. Basically, there's very few reasons why any product would ever say, you know, hey, let's do a, a red one, a blue one, a pink one, a green one, a white one, an orange one. Because most of those colors, if you ask anybody, hey, do you like blue and green? Yeah, I like blue and green. Nobody's gonna be like, oh, sure, I like blue, but I absolutely hate green. Most people are like, it's not that big of a deal. And if the product just works, that's what they're more concerned about. So generally giving them a bunch of variations is, is almost an entirely fruitless endeavor that then cost you a bunch of cash flow. And again, we talked about cash flow, right? Cash flow is the single most important thing about maintaining a successful business long term. And if, if you, anybody ever watched that WeWork documentary on, on Hulu, uh, they basically were $44 billion company valued at $44 billion. And then all of a sudden their funding stopped because the Japanese investor that they had said, I'm not going to give you anymore. And they almost went bankrupt overnight because they were so overstretched of their budget. And then because they didn't think they had a budget, and they just kept trying to scale and scale and grow quickly, right? Basically, if you launch and launch and launch new products, or if you create more and more variations, you now have all this cash laying out there, and it's not coming back to you fast enough to make this, this business work. So don't do that. It doesn't make any sense to do that. Now, if you're selling coffee, and people like French vanilla and dark roast and whatever, maybe, but that's, that's not, not too many people are going to be selling their own version of coffee either. And also, it's, it's as you said, it's really all about the positioning of the yep. product and who are you selling it to. So in that example of the, say, the supplements or even coffee, right, you're going to have a specific customer that really yep. wants that French vanilla. And the and listing would be all about that. So you would split them out. It wouldn't actually be a variation. You would treat it like its own product. Yep. It's just a similar product that has a its own reason to exist, right? I yep. mean, it's not, you know, it, there would be no reason to put them together. Uh, maybe the coffee flavors, maybe, but it just depends on what that looks like. But yeah, usually you'd split it out because then you'd also have different keywords to go after. So women's multivitamin supplement, men's multivitamin supplement, you know, French vanilla coffee or French roast coffee or whatever, right? You'd have different things you could go after. Whereas, you know, you're not just going to, well, most people aren't going to say like coffee flavors, that's the keyword I want to sell under or coffee, like that's too generic. So 
you'd have different reasons for doing it. If you were just like, hey, you know, selling like I do an ice scraper and I had 14 different colors of an ice scraper. Why? Who cares what color their ice scraper is? It's just they they just want that thing to function. And if you have useful, functional products, 99% of the time, people don't care what the color is as long as it doesn't look hideous, right? Like you don't go out there and make it like lime green and I don't know, red green. and make it look like a Christmas tree bulb or something like that. But yeah, just be be normal about the brand colors or whatever, but don't don't make it hideous. As long as it looks okay, then you probably aren't going to have to worry about the color scheme. Well, yeah, I mean, one of our members, um, I mean, we had we had one, I think we've talked about Kate, Katie before, right, where she had yep. like all those um, proliferations on one product. But also um, another guy that we worked with, you know, he was selling, I think it was in the dog niche, he was selling dog accessories. And exactly what you said, he had a blue and a green version of the same product. Now, blue and green ain't that different, right? Yep. And so I think even just working with him, he was great. He was like, actually, yeah, I never even thought about that. And so he got rid of his variations, took that money, invested in other products. And I think he went uh, in different marketplaces as well um, as his growth strategy and then doubled his business, like just by doing that. So he wasn't bogged down with those variations. So it's not that, um, of course, the customer wants choice. And of course, the customer is going to write to you and say, I'd really love it if this was pink. But yeah it doesn't make sense for your business, right? It's not enough to make sense for your business. And so it's about putting that investment where it's going to grow the best. And that's another small mistake that some people make is they take a customer's recommendation and then do it. And it was like, but, and it doesn't sell. It's like, yeah, but one customer shouldn't determine whether or not you do something right. Because you have to be smart about what you do with your money. Like you're not just going to take advice from every, every person on earth who says, oh yeah, you should do this. Well, have you done any business training? Do you know anything about what the market research looks like for that? No, then I'm not going to take your advice. So don't just take advice from anywhere that, you know, you can see it. Now, if say you're looking at reviews and every single one of them says, or a lot of them say something like, you know, this, this red is pretty gross. Maybe this should come in a black instead or something like that. Well, then maybe just for, for that, you maybe just don't want to sell that color and maybe just change the color of that product entirely and only sell one, but change it to a different color. Um, so yeah, I would, even then if you saw something like that, which I've never seen that happen, but if it, if it did, um, that would be a case to stop selling that version of it and, and change it to a different color or something. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, color variations are probably the worst size variations are only if necessary. Um, usually for most like functional products, not fashionable products. So fashionable products, you almost always have to have size variations, but functional products, you almost never have to. Um, we've had products where we've tried this with our own functional products, and it usually ends up being more uh, hassle and, and, and confusion than it's worth because then people are like, well, which size am I? And it's like, oh, my God, now I have to explain to you how big you are. I don't know how big you are. I've never seen you. I can't tell how big you are through your computer. Um, so yeah, then it can become very confusing to a customer. And, and I know we both thought, of, you know, had that issue come between yeah. our, our and customers. And I would say if you... If you're looking at something like that, think about, um, could it be adjustable? Like, could yeah. it be one size fits all, but you can just, they're allowed to adjust it. Yeah, That would be the best thing that you can do. And there's a lot of products that you can do that with as well, but try and make it one product that everybody can use. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, just to re- re- reiterate, guys, if you do variations, you're basically just splitting the sales that you're going to get from one product. So don't give them choice, at least not at the start for sure. And then if you do have a good reason, you probably don't want to put it as a variation. You want to have a separate listing and sell it for different reasons. And ideally, you would have different keywords to go after as well. And that kind of leads into our PPC conversation. So you do not want to stop PPC thinking that it'll help you save money. Uh, yeah, as Kirsty mentioned, if you have a very bad listing and you're sending uh, good, even good traffic at it, it probably won't convert. So you're probably spending money and wasting it. Similarly, if you have a good listing and you're sending poor traffic at it by not bringing relevant keywords to it, then you are also wasting money. So the the issue is not that the PPC is the issue. It's the fact that you have something broken, either your listing or your traffic, you know, your keywords that you're using is broken. So you can't stop advertising unless you're basically quitting the business. That's the only time you would say, all right, I'm going to stop advertising just so that maybe I can profit max and just sell out of this. That's the only way you would ever do that. And usually 
doing that means that it's going to take way longer to sell through that inventory. And in the end, you might have to pay out long-term fees and stuff. So you might as well just keep some level of advertising going up until that last unit sold. Now, Henry Ford once said, stopping advertising to save money is like stopping a clock to save time. So think about that. Stopping advertising to save money is like stopping a clock to save time. Do you save time when you stop a clock? No, time keeps going, right? Just like money on Amazon will keep going, whether you're advertising or not. All your competitors will keep taking your sales. All your competitors will keep taking your ranking away from you. And essentially, they're hoping that you stop advertising so that they can beat you in that way. Because if you don't do it, they will. And then you'll lose keyword visibility, which means that'll turn into loss of sales. And over time, over time, loss of business, right? You're like, you, we've seen this. Like systematically, when people reduce their bids on their main keywords, thinking it's too competitive. Like, I just can't afford to be on page one. Well, maybe you don't have to be on page one. You also get page, page placements on page two. You get it in other, you know, search-related uh, positions on Amazon. So don't go for the top of search, right? Just bid on the keyword and see where you can get other placements. And if you actually go into your placements, which is a little bit more of an uh, advanced strategy, you can see where you're getting your sales and, and your clicks and stuff from. So just understand that if you do lower your bids, as we've seen every single time on your main keyword, you will lose keyword ranking, which then means all of your sales are coming from PPC, which makes you less profitable, which makes you then... <laughs> not very well ranked on your, any of your keywords, because then you start losing rank here or there or wherever. And your overall sales are dropping and now you're spinning out and thinking, okay, there's something wrong. And that's when you go into desperation mode and try everything that you can think of to try to make money and get that, get those sales back. But all you had to do is keep advertising to help you stick around. Even if it's not page one, page two, some of these, you know, search results, all these other things that you know, you can be, be seen for, for that keyword on Amazon. So again, you're not going to save yourself money in the end. You might save it temporarily, but overall you're going to, you're going to cost yourself a ton of money, desperation and effort that that's going to have you spiraling out of this business very quickly. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this is our job, right. As Amazon sellers. So, or, well, as a business owner, right. And so once we've got some great products and we've got that kind of process down, um, it really is about keeping those sales coming in. Now, yep. the beauty about Amazon, which is why we we love it so much as a as a way to start a business where, you know, average Joes and Janes like us can actually get in there and do it, is because Amazon has a platform like this that we can easily use. It's not overly complex. But also, um, once we get that organic ranking, we do get a lot of sales that don't cost us money. Mm -hmm. But to be able to keep that, as you said, Isaac, you still need to advertise to be able to do it. So I think this is where people go wrong is that they think, oh, well, I got the ranking. I've spent my money on the launch. So now I just stop. Yeah. But that's exactly, if you stop, that's exactly what's going to happen. Is you going to kind of go backwards and backwards? And one of the worst mindsets you can be in is that I made it. Therefore, now I don't need to be on the offense, right? Yeah. And when you go into defense- like I'm a success, so I, I can stop now. Yeah, exactly. I could stop. And it's like, no, you need to, now your job is to fend off everybody else that's trying to yeah. kind of get, so think of yourself as a samurai, right? You're literally at the top of the mountain or whatever. I don't know where they go, but you know what I mean, right? They're guarding <laughs> something, uh, the pagoda, and they're like fending off everybody that's trying to get in, right? It's like, yeah, I got me mansion, I'm here, but you guys can't get in. That's literally what you're, you're trying to do there. So it's going to cost you less overall because you're not, all your sales aren't coming from the advertising. Ideally, you want 20% of your sales to come from ads and less than that. But sometimes you might have to go to 50% of your sales come from ads to keep fending off all those competitors. So that's how yeah. you kind of have to think about it. As a British person, I'm surprised you didn't go with a knight in a castle analogy there. I know. I was watching, it's because I was watching a, a baking show the other day and some dude was dressed up as a samurai. There you go. <laughs> Figure that out. Like a, a slumdog millionaire where he has to explain how he knew all the answers to all the questions. You're like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how you, I don't know how you got to that. It's like, oh, I was sitting in a pool of poop one time and I got told that by somebody walking by. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> oh no, I just remember these, I have these like images and memories that just pop into my head. I have no idea. But yeah, a night would have been more fitting, I'm sure. I've never, yeah. I've never been to Japan, so what would I even know, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, just think of it that way. You you can't just sit back, put your feet up, happy days. I'm 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 traveling around the world and never look at my Amazon account ever again, never spend any money. No, unfortunately. Some ads might make you believe that, but it ain't true. Yeah. However, it's still not as hard as going to work every day and <laughs> having to do all that other crap, right? So just get into that mindset of once I'm at the top of the mountain, I have to defend it. And that's how you got to think of it. And then lastly, we want to talk about the last big mistake that a lot of people make. And this is don't try to fix your listings unless you know what to fix. So one key thing that um, people tell us when we, when we have a chat to them about, you know, what I just ask people, what do you do every day with your Amazon business? You know, how, do, how are you trying to fix stuff? And they usually say, well, I go on to Amazon. I look at all my um, competitors and I'm like, why are they doing better than me? Why? Right. And so then they might go get a bit dis- disappointed and then leave, leave Amazon again. Then they just refreshing their sales. Right. And they're not getting any more sales. So they go back on Amazon and they, again, they start looking at their listing and they're like, oh, maybe it's their keywords. No, oh, look at their title. Their title's different from mine. Oh, maybe, maybe they've got that keyword. I think that's a keyword. I don't know if it's a keyword, but maybe they've got that in the, in the title. They've got this type of image. So maybe I should just copy what they're doing, right? Spend all that time, effort, money on trying to copy what you think someone else is doing. But the reality is that if you don't know what's wrong, you how do you know how to fix it, right? You're just guessing that. You don't know what they're doing on the back end. You don't know if they're driving a ton of traffic, spending $100,000 to keep that traffic there and not making any money. Usually when we look at listings now, we can tell, right? We can say, yeah. Yeah, they're not really doing anything right on the listing. They're probably paying people to buy this thing and they probably either don't realize that they're not making money or they don't care because they've built that into their into their system, if you like. Yeah, or, or there's like listings on Amazon that barely have any information on them, have very few images, doesn't look very good, yet they're the top seller. So they're like, oh, maybe I don't have to put all this effort into my listing. Now you do. These people have just been there for a long enough time that they've got a ton of reviews. They can sell at a lower price or whatever. And you have to find a way to differentiate from them, not be the same as them. Because if you try to be the same, they win out, right? They've got the ranking, they've got the reviews, they've got everything, the history, all that stuff, Amazon's choice or whatever. And you've got nothing other than maybe you can say, okay, look, I've got a better main image or I can price it at a dollar less perhaps. But if that's the only thing and your listing looks nothing, no better, there's probably not, nothing there to pick you over them, right? Like you don't even know if like they went out and optimized their listing, if they couldn't take more sales. So don't just guess and say like, hey, I want to be more like them. Think about how you can actually be better. Yeah. So again, the way that we start this process is to look at some data, right? And that's the the key thing that you need to do. We look at traffic and conversion. So traffic equals your sessions and conversion equals your unit session percentage, right? I know it's a bit weird because it doesn't say conversion, but that's how Amazon reflects it back to us. This report, again, it's it's interesting to, to know how many people don't actually know where to find this data let alone what it means. So if you if you don't really know where, where this data is, you just go into your sales dashboard. And usually I like to go into the parent. I can't remember what it says now, actually. It's, it's like, like by ASIN and then it says detail page sales and yeah, traffic detail, or something like page that. Page sales and traffic. Yeah. So just click on that and then it, it comes up. You can actually download a, a spreadsheet, uh, you know, onto Excel or whatever. Um, but you can just look at it in the dashboard. And the columns that you're looking for are sessions. That's your traffic. Generally, what people do is they look at the last 30 days. That's the main report that pops up is the last, it's the rolling 30 days. And so you want to be looking at, I like to look at it by day, understand what the daily sessions are. And so just divide it by 30 and that'll get you what the sessions are. And then in terms of your conversion, it's your unit session percentage. Those are the core metrics that you need to kind of be looking at. Yeah, that one's already average. So you don't have to divide anything. It's just whatever it says. Exactly. So first of all, look to the conversion first, right? If it is less than 20%, you've got room to move. Even over to 20%, you've still got room to move, but it might not be the number one thing that you need to focus on. Although it also does depend on how many sessions you're getting. So I'll kind of come on to that in a little minute. Generally, what we find is, is that you can always improve your listings regardless of how long you've been selling, right? Because usually what happens is we launch a product, we whack up a listing, we think we've done awesome, 
and then we leave and we don't really go back to revisit it and then we can start panicking about ppc not working and all sort of stuff right um maybe i didn't pick the right product all that other stuff and it generally is is because you're not selling it right if you think about it that's exactly what you're trying to do is sell it to the ideal client and so some core things to look at here is the bullet points um now people will also say to you yeah but do people actually read the bullet points well, some people might read them, some people might not, but look at the images. But by starting with the bullet points, that's literally looking at the story. That's looking at what, what is the story that you want to tell to the customer. Regardless of if they actually read it or not, you're going to reflect that story in your images. You're also going to reflect that story in your A-plus content. You're going to reflect that story on your storefront, all that kind of thing. But Even you packaging, to, perhaps, yeah. Packaging. You just need to figure out what are the core things that the customer is looking for. And we always talk about it's really solving a problem. What are the core problems that your product is solving for the ideal person mm -hmm. that wants to buy this product, right? And we've got a whole series, I think, of podcasts on this. So maybe we can like put some links on the bottom here so you can go and refresh that because we, we'd be here for like two hours talking about conversion. But needless to say, it really comes down to your listing needs to solve pro problem for the ideal client and it needs to be reflected in all those core areas that we that I just talked about there. And that is going to get you a high conversion because when people land on the listing, that's what they're looking for. They need to know what it is. They need to know what it does and they need to know how it's going to solve their problem, not just the features of maybe it's got five batteries. Now, if it's got five batteries and it comes with batteries, that's a great thing to know because once it solved all the other problems, that's a, probably a core problem for the customer because then they're like, well, I've got to go out and buy batteries. It does, you know, that'll, yeah. that'll be a next decision point. So that's great. But ultimately what it needs to do is solve the problems better than all your competitors out there. And it's a very overlooked marketing tactic because it is marketing, right? It's actually a strategic, it's not just a tactic, right? Then of course there is uh, keywords and things like that that you need to be able to put in your listing as well. But you can have all the best keywords in the world but if it doesn't talk to the ideal client, you're still going to get crap conversion. Yeah. So key things, bullets, title, the pricing tells a story as well. If you're overpricing something, then chances are that within the sea of other products out there, it's not going to be competitive with um, for the ideal client. So that's going to be another deciding factor. So you have to figure all those things out like we talked about earlier. And like we said, images and A plus content and things like that. Then it comes to your sessions. So this is like the traffic. This is how many people are landing on your listing per day. Ideally, we want to see over 50 to 100 sessions per day. Anything under, say, 50 or even anything under 30, you're going to, use, you're going to need to use something like PPC to increase your ranking and get visible more visibility on Amazon. Of course, the more traffic you can send to your listing and the, if it highly converts, that means for say 20%, one in five customers is going to buy from that listing. So you can send as much traffic as you want because you know it's going to actually convert. Mm -hmm. So don't send a lot of poor traffic to a crappy listing. That is a recipe for disaster. So the, the two core things you need to be figuring out is, number one, look at your conversion rates. If your conversion rates are high or um, if they are erratic, so by that, what I mean is if one day it's 20%, the next day it's zero or 3%, that doesn't mean you've got a great listing. That just means that randomly people are buying this thing, right? It has to yeah. be consistent. And then also if it's high, but your sessions are lower than 30 a day, then it also doesn't mean to say that it's a great listing either. It's just that you've hardly got anybody coming to the listing, but some people are buying it. So always improve your listing first, make sure that it solves problems and then go and sort out your sessions from there. Yeah, and I would say don't send just any random keywords to your listing because that'll not convert very well, which hurts both the, the sessions because yeah, it's sessions, but it's empty. And then the conversion goes down. So like your, your keywords that you send through PPC can actually hurt your conversion as well. So don't send irrelevant keywords to your listing. Exactly. We also do have some free training on our website that we actually go into an exercise on how to do this and how to you know figure out who your ideal client is and also how to think about writing those bullet points because as i said once you've got kind of the bullet points in place and the core problems you're solving you can then literally transpose that into an image put yep. that on your listing transpose that into a plus content so it's really 
understanding first what that story is for the ideal client. And that's going to help you develop everything else else out when it comes to actually selling your product on Amazon. Yep. Cool. So yeah, I feel like you still can't figure out what's wrong with your listings or whatever, and you don't know why you why you should do anything. Seek professional help because they they can probably take five seconds and look at it and go, yeah, here's where your problems are, especially if they can see your metrics. So don't think it's unfixable. Just know that there's probably help out there. Well, guys, actually, one, one thing we can ahead. do is if we pop again in the notes below, we can uh, put in the um, basically the special email to come to when it because I can actually literally write you a game plan on this stuff. Yeah. So if there's anyone sat there right now going, yeah, there's something in my business that's not working out and you might feel like you're in some of these mistakes. I can literally look at your metrics in a couple of minutes and figure out what's probably wrong and steer you in the right direction. So I can get you a game plan for that as well. So we'll pop the, uh, the email to write to below as well. So yeah. Well, if you want to just say it, so that way anybody who might not have time. Oh, yeah, to work with <laughs> so yeah, if you go to real VIP coach at gmail.com, then I'll be able to actually get you a game plan for the business. So just write and say, Hey, heard you on the podcast. Um, can you get me a game plan? And then I'll ask you a few questions and then go from there. Yeah. Real VIP coach. So real is an R E A L not with two E's two R E A L VIP coach at gmail.com. And that's a good point. Cause yeah, we, that's what you're doing all the time, trying to help people figure out what's wrong with their business and give them a game plan. So I would highly encourage you to take Kirsty up on that offer and say, Hey, yeah, what's going on with my business? Uh, I can't figure out what I need to be optimizing. So if that's you, send an email to realvipcoach at gmail.com. And so just to recap what we talked about today, guys, you know, the, the five basic mistakes that you should not be making on Amazon that can hurt yourself, especially for 2020 coming up is don't pick products based on your gut feeling. You're not that good. So use data. Don't launch a bunch of products at the start or within a short period of time because your cash flow is going to be so strained that you won't be able to fund these things properly. Don't use variations to grow your brand because they won't bring back the actual impactful sales that you need. Plus, they'll stretch your cash flow out as well. Don't stop PPC thinking that, that you'll help, help yourself by saving money because in the end, you'll end up spending way more money trying to get that money back that you thought you saved uh, and just because you, you lost your ranking and all your sales and stuff. And then lastly, don't try to fix your listings unless you know what to fix. If you don't know what to fix, email Kirsty at realvipcoach at gmail.com. And remember, guys, now that you're armed with this information, it's your job to implement it into your business and grow your business through action. Also, to get some free training that Kirsty was talking about and what it takes to have a successful business to feel your lifestyle, head to goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.